from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, April 13th, 2017. Today's show presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Go to beantownathletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. DraftKings is the destination for one-day fantasy sports. And at DraftKings, every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season. It's easy. Fill out your lineup, follow the action live on your DraftKings app, and just win big money after that. Now, I don't play regular fantasy baseball anymore. Uh, The reason I usually give you is that the season is just too long. you got a 162-game regular season. I understand that when you factor in the fantasy baseball playoffs, you know, that that basically is the full 162-game season, or most of it. But it's just too long to figure out if I'm going to win money. At DraftKings, you can do it every single day. Again, every day is a brand new season. So you don't have that problem with a long season on DraftKings Uh, when you can put a new lineup every single day, and you can put more than one lineup every single day. And it's not just baseball. DraftKings is something for everybody. They have every single sport. And even during the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs, you can put in a hockey lineup or a basketball lineup. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now, download their app, and play for free by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. Uh, Pete, what's up? Welcome to the show. How you doing today? How's it going, bud? Good. Uh, I did play a baseball DraftKings lineup the other night. How'd you uh, do? A DraftKings lineup the other night. I did great. Um, and it's because I bet against Clay Buckholz. I basically saw that Buckholz is pitching for the Phillies. They were playing the Mets. I said he's going to get lit up. So not only am I going to take Cespedes for the Mets, but I'm also going to take Matt Harvey, knowing that... You know, he's probably going to be pitching with a lead and feeling pretty comfortable with it because Buckholz is going to get lit up. Now, Buckholz ends up getting injured. Buckholz is now injured. It's shocker, right? Everybody's so shocked about that news. Clay Buckholz is going to go see Dr. James Andrews. And who knows? Maybe that's the last time we ever mention Clay Buckholz's name. But I mention his name because he actually helped me or at least helped my thought process when I was picking my DraftKings baseball lineup the other night to win some money. So there's a perfect example of what you can do each and every day during the Major League Baseball season. What, three outfielders, every positional player, and two pitches, two starting pitches, right? You do Major League Baseball on DraftKings? I have, I have. You have? What's your go-to sport? For DraftKings? Uh, DraftKings. You know what? I'm starting to pick up on golf. Yeah, me too. I enjoy golf. No, me too. And it's not just, you know, the Masters like got it. us all into it because yeah. I ran that tournament. You know, you can create a league on DraftKings, create a tournament, make it public, make it private, do it with just your friends. That got us into the whole Masters, you know, golf on DraftKings. But they now have the weekend golf where even if you put in a lineup for the whole tournament, you know, you get to Friday afternoon, Friday night, and you realize that four of your six guys didn't make the cut then you can put in a new lineup post-cut. You got to get it in before Saturday morning. But they have that for every golf tournament as well on DraftKings. So, yeah, I'm with you. I do the golf as well. But um, Major League Baseball, it's just – I don't. do you do regular season, like, fantasy baseball leagues? No. Like I a full league? It's just too long, right? Way too it's way time. too long. That's why DraftKings is perfect for and that. You got to check the lineups every night and shit. Yeah. Changing but, around. But, you know, there's no reward. Like, no, the reward is so far wait. away. Yeah. You have it's to just, wait. It's way too much work. Not on DraftKings. And you can play for free with my promo code PICK. That's P 
I see. Pete, how you been this week? You been all right? Yeah, I've been good. You been all right? Yeah. Well, so it's now we're into playoffs. The Bruins began the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. A big win over the Senators in Ottawa. I'll get into that. The Celtics clinched the one seed in the East. They begin the playoffs on Sunday. The NBA playoffs begin Saturday. I will close out the show with my NBA playoff predictions and a pretty good theme song to go along with it. I made my Stanley Cup playoff predictions in the NHL on Monday's show to close out the show, and we gave you the old NHL on ESPN National Hockey Night theme. And you know when I make my baseball picks, I go with the... MLB on Fox, the old theme. Now they use the NFL on Fox theme, baseball on Fox. They should go back to the old MLB. I don't know why they ever got away from it, but that's the theme I gave you for that during my season predictions last week. So we got a cool little background theme song to go along with my NBA playoff predictions that I have in my hand. I have the bracket in my hand. The Celtics are the one seed. They'll play Chicago, the eight seed. I'll go through it all and make my picks before I close out the show. But Pete, I ask you how your week has been because my week, it's been a little hectic. It's been a little hectic because I've been a little frustrated this week. You know, we don't have... A couple bad coffees? No, not a couple bad coffees. No, I actually had some good coffees this week. Coffees were good. You know, I think they really did. Donkeys nailed it. Sidewalk Cafe nailed it. Those are my my two go-to spots. I shouldn't be giving them reads because they don't pay me shit. But... Um, I just, sometimes you just got to be brutally honest. When you ask the question, I'll answer it. In all honesty, yeah, I've had some good coffees this week, Pete. But if we're also going to stick to the honesty on the show, then I got to be honest about something as to why I'm, I've been a little frustrated this week. It's been a little hectic because this show, the second podcast, you know, we do two podcasts a week. You can get this show whenever you want at my website, dannypicard.com, also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch it, tune in, subscribe. You give me a podcast app. They have this show. Though, the, this show is also not part of the Podcast One network. So uh, you should go and listen to it on Podcast One as well. The Podcast One app is a great app. It's, it, it, from what I've heard, since we joined the Podcast One network, it is actually the go-to app for people to listen to the show. But we do two shows a week. Mondays and Thursdays is the usual dropping date for this show every week. This second show of this week, I expected to have a guest on the show. And it was supposed to be a WWE superstar. But I have been officially rejected by the WWE. We were supposed to record it earlier this week. And I didn't record it because the WWE rejected me once again. Okay, I have been trying for the last, we'll call it four years, to get a guest on my show from the WWE. At this point, I'll take a ref. I mean, honestly, I'll take, the, I'll take the ref, one of the referees that we don't know. I'll take a referee from NXT, for crying out loud, to get on the show. But yet, the WWE continues to respond back to me, rejecting my interview request. And I wasn't even, Pete, I'm not... You know, I, I'm not going to give away the name because I am still going after this this super this WWE superstar. You know, I, I, just because they say no doesn't mean I'm going to stop. Well, now I'm just going to be real greasy and real grimy and dirty and go go behind their backs to try to get this interview. Um, because the person I'm trying to get has actually, I believe, from what I'm hearing, is actually okay with doing the interview. 
Like, this was going to happen. But yet the WWE comes down on me and says, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. And when I ask why, they, there's no reason for it. Like, they don't give me a reason. They used to give me a reason. I think I said this on Monday's podcast, that a couple years back, they said to me, we don't do podcasts. We don't grant podcast requests. Podcasts are not something that we do. Well, now podcasts should be something that you do because we live in a podcasting world and everybody and their mother has a podcast, okay? So you can't use that excuse anymore. What is the excuse? Is it because I'm not necessarily a major name in the industry with a show that's simulcast on a TV station? Though I do have some ideas for that because I still see that open time slot on Comcast Sportsnet from 10 a.m. to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which, you know, apparently they're thinking about putting one of the local radio shows in this town in that time slot. But um, I've thrown my hat into the ring just to say, hey, why can't you turn a podcast into a TV show? You can. Hear me out. But So I have some thoughts and ideas for that as well. But um, I'm not there yet. And maybe that's why they reject my interview request, the WWE. Whatever the reason may be, they rejected my interview request once again. And I'm fired up about it because it's kind of bullshit. Right, Pete? Like, at this stage of the game, Pete, isn't it bullshit? How we do a lot of WWE stuff on the show, do we not? Yeah, we're big fans. But, but we don't, I don't think we go out there and knock the product all the time. Like, no. I certainly question some stuff. I'm critical at times. You know, I've gone on the record and, and said I'm not a season ticket holder with the WWE, which means I don't watch every event. Like, I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown every week, but because of social media, if somebody tweets out, if I'm, you know, say I'm watching a game and I'm on the couch and I got my phone in my hand and I'm on Twitter and I see that they tweet out, hey, Brock Lesnar's coming to the ring and he's got some, you know, him, him and Paul Heyman got some shit to say and something's going to go down. I'll, you know, during a commercial of the game, I'll tune in and I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, I, I still, there's still somewhat of an interest level there. I don't think you completely lose that as a diehard old school WWF fan. I don't think you lose... Uh, the interest level completely. I don't know that I ever will. So we talk about it sometimes on this show. The major storylines. I've given it, the, I think, the proper amount of publicity to the point where if you're in town for SmackDown and you're going to the TD Garden and I say I can come to you, like I wasn't even asking for the person to come in studio, and I say I can come to you, heck, I can do it over the phone, all right? I'll find a way. We've had some issues with the phone line here recently, so we haven't really used it as much. Um, but also, I think we do prefer, I mean, we prefer to have guests in studio or at least do it in person. I think that's the, the way, you know, that's the road we've gone down. But I think in emergency situations or desperate times call for desperate measures, we'll fire up the phone line and do it there. There are multiple ways to do this. So you can't use the excuse, well, we couldn't get into the studio. We're not in town that long. We're in here for one day, not even 24 hours. You know, we're going right to the hotel to check in, right to the TD Garden, do the show, and then we're flying out. Well, I can come there, or we could do something over the phone. Like, this shouldn't really be an issue. But yet, they keep rejecting my interview request. I think it's, I think it's to the point where it's absolutely bullshit. And, um... That's why I've had a bad week because I was, you know, when you schedule certain things and you think, all right, you're here. All right, this, this is probably, this could happen. Like this is, this realistic shot, this happens. And then it doesn't. It's not like I was even going after an A-list superstar. Like I was going after somebody that 
I, I, I guarantee you there would be a lot of people going, who is this? Like, so it wasn't a crazy request either. It's one thing if I'm reaching out to WWE, Pete, and I'm going, hey, I want, I want Vince McMahon in studio. Hey, I give, want, me, give me Triple H. I want Triple H. I want to talk to Stephanie McMahon. I want John Cena. I want Brock Lesnar. You know, I want these guys. I want AJ Styles. I, I wasn't asking for those guys. Please. So, I mean, the fact that, and they don't even have a reason now. They just say, no, we can't do it. And I ask why. It's like, we can't do it at this time. Uh, th- this is stupid now. You got to give me a reason. There's got to be some reason you're rejecting this request. Um, I mean, look, this isn't the first time somebody's rejected the interview request, and it's not going to be the last. I mean, wh- I guess where does this rank on some of the all-time rejections that I've received on this podcast? Um, I think considering that, again, it wasn't like an A-list superstar, it's up there. It's up there as one of the top, but there have been a couple others. Jeremy Roenick screwed me bad. I didn't even tell you about this. Pete, we weren't doing it in this studio, but I was actually, I'd taken the podcast to NBC Sports Radio. It was 15-10 at the time. I was like weekday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m., and it was during the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, this was NBC Sports Radio. And so, you know, we sent requests through to NBC Sports, Jeremy Roenick, a part of NBC Sports, he schedules, we schedule the interview. All right, Jeremy Roenick, great. Going to call in over the phone. Going to do a 10-minute spot, if that, maybe eight minutes. An eight-minute spot to talk Stanley Cup playoff hockey, okay? There is absolutely, if NBC asks you to do it, you agree to it, here we go. We got a time and a day, here we go. The time and the day comes, we're doing the show live, you know, producers calling, calling, going, no answer, no answer. We go to commercial. We come back. No answer, no answer. What the hell's going on? Uh, after the show, NBC Media Relations or publicist, whoever it was, emails me and says, oh, JR had a back out. He had a back out. Can we reschedule? We reschedule. I think we reschedule for the next day at the same time. Same thing happens. We're live on the air. Producers calling, calling, no answer, no answer. Same shit. No shows. Over the phone, two days in a row. I emailed the the PR director or the NBC Sports Media Relations director, and I say, what the fuck's going on? And he says, oh, I said, see, uh, yeah, that was the, the, that's the call. You, you dialing up the call for us right there? <laughs> no, that was the alarm. Oh, that was the alarm. Yeah, What's so, the alarm? So, what, so you want to know what that alarm what was? What is that alarm? It's the 245 alarm. What's that? It reminds me to eat. Reminds you to eat. <laughs> yeah. That's how much shit you guys are going all, on here at Beantown. You need it. You need fucking, alarms yeah. to remind you to eat. Yeah. Well, we should have Jeremy Roenick setting alarms to to call in on time. But it turns out that what it wasn't like he overslept or he just forgot or he missed it. They purposely canceled two days in a row without telling me. And and this is why after two days of not not answering the phone and then not calling back and and basically just screwing us over, screwing me over. The media relations director, you know, says, hey, can I call you? So I call him and he says, oh, you know what? We had a, he had to pull himself out of this. We had to pull, we had to pull him out of this interview. I said, what do you mean you had to pull him out? It's like somebody in the media in Boston told us that you like to call out your guests and, you know, you basically were going to turn this into a crazy interview. And I said, I was like shocked because I mean, it was about you. 
Yeah, yeah because I'm yeah. thinking to myself. Oh, you had something to do, maybe. Well, I'm thinking up. to myself too. Like I, I, I felt like at that stage of my career, like even when I did my podcast, even when I, when I did any of my shows, whether it was the radio or my podcast away from radio, I kind of stuck with, like you know, um, told the company line. Like I was, it was, it was all business. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so to that point, I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder if they think they got the wrong guy. Because if there's anyone at that stage of my career, I was like, if there's anyone who's who's not going to turn this into a media relations, public relations disaster for Jeremy Roenick and NBC Sports, it's going to be me. If there's anyone who's not going to do that, it's going to be me. So I was a little confused. And I'm like, well, can you tell me the name of the Boston sports media member who 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 did this, who said this to you? Like, obviously, somebody went out of your out of their way to talk to you about this. Like, because I had tweeted out, hey, Jeremy Roenick coming on. So, like, it was someone who followed me. It was someone in the media. And he's like, oh, I can't give that away. And this is, this is again, the NBC media relations, NBC sports media relations guy. I go, what do you mean? Now, I don't even know who this kid is. I'm talking over the phone. I go, what do you mean you can't give it away? If you're going to screw me two days in a row and you're going to tell me somebody was bad-mouthing me, I want to know who the fuck's bad-mouthing me. And uh, he's like, I, you know, he, this is what he said. He's like, now, uh, one day, maybe we'll have a couple beers and, and I can tell you. And I'm going, there's going to be no fucking beer. All right, buddy, I don't, I don't know you. Like, you think I'm just going out for beers and people who I don't know just screw me over? No. I, I'm like, I want to know who this is. So now I'm like grilling them with questions to try to get hints. Because obviously, being in this business, the minute someone does say that, you know, a handful of people pop into your head like, all right, I know these people don't like me. I don't know why they don't like me, but... I know they don't. Like, whatever. They're fucking insecure assholes. Here we go. So, I want to know who it is. And he wouldn't tell me. So, uh, to this day, I don't know. You still don't I still know? don't know. I, get, I think I narrowed it. So, he's out there. I narrowed it down to two or three people. This guy's uh, one, out there. He's one day, out there. Well, one day I, uh, I'll find out. You'll find him. One day, I'll find out. So, um, here's the deal. <laughs> That was just a, a, a brutal screw job by somebody and ultimately by Jeremy Roenick. I mean, that's ultimately it. Like, Jeremy Roenick screwed me over. The Danny Picard screw job. Yeah. And I, I tweeted him. It's <laughs> funny. He tweeted me. He's like, oh, like, sorry, bud. Couldn't do it. And then he deleted the tweet. And I was like, I was so compete. I was so confused. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I, like, honestly, I had done nothing to deserve this. It just didn't make any sense. So Roenick screwed me a couple times. Um... And who was the other? There was one other guy. This one. This story is hilarious. I was doing the show from my living room couch. And I had like a Skype. I had a Skype phone line. Who is this? Oh, Richard Justice. He was for the Houston Chronicle. But he was always on ESPN. He, he covers Major League Baseball. He was always on like Pot in the Interruption. Dick Justice? Richard Justice. <laughs> if, if you see him, you'd know him. Richard Justice. I, I, I believe that's his name. Um, and I, I read, I think it was my old show. I read the email over the air and he sent me an email because we agreed the day before I sent him an email. I'm like, Hey, here's my show. Like this, that, the other thing. Like I gave him a background on my show and I said, any chance I could get you on, you know, to talk some baseball. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And, and we set up a time the next day. And then as I was calling him, I was calling him like, like, it, it, it just, nothing happened, and he emailed me, and he's like, it was like, what's this number that's coming in? And this was like, at this point, I think the show was over. 
Like, I think he was emailing me during the show, and I, I don't know if I read it the next show or whatever. Bottom line is this. Here's the, the moral of the story. It, the, he never called in because ultimately I told him, here's the number, and he was wondering if it was toll-free and if he was going to get charged for it. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, to be honest, I don't know, but since it's not like a 1-800 number, like... I guess this. I mean, however, I don't. What you have a charged? phone plan, right? Like, I don't know what your phone plan is. You get charged for a call. But like, he's asking me, he's like, "Am I going to get charged for this?" Richard Justice is like going back and collect? forth on email. I'm like, I'm like, I honestly don't know. I'm like, you can call me. Like, I don't. What? Like, I don't. I don't get it. He's like, well, this is the email that he sent me was so hilarious. He said, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not. This is not word for word because I'm not reading it right now. But he said something along the lines of. I'm not going to spend my money to do your show. What that was like, and, and that's as close, that's pretty close to the quote he gave me. That's what Richard Justice said over email. And I'm sitting there on my fucking living room couch, making no fucking money. And this guy's like, he's got a full-time gig in the business. And he's like, and I'm not, I don't know how much money he makes. It's not, but I don't even care. Like, that's not, this is not something that you were going to be paying. Like, do you have a phone plan? You know what I mean? Like, what is going on? I don't get it. What, like, how, why are we doing this right now? But that's what he said to me. He Charged said, I'm not going to spend my money to go on to go on your show. I'm not going to spend and, my 35 cents. And I was just like baffled. I'm like, I don't really know how to respond to this. So I think I just made fun of him on the show. Um, that obviously didn't help the case to, to get him on. But at that point, it's like, honestly, if that's, if that's the reason for not coming on, fuck you. I don't even want you on. <laughs> like, uh, like, see you later. Like, you're not that good of a guest. You were one of the many baseball writers that I reached out to who I respected at the time, but I obviously lose respect for you right now, so go shit in your hat, and we'll move on. <laughs> um, but now it's back to the WWE, sort of, I, whatever reasons they have. They can't even come up with reasons anymore. They just reje- they're just straight up rejecting me, and they don't have any reason for it. But perhaps, and I was Googling this after the fact, Pete, perhaps, perhaps, they're dealing with a larger issue when it comes to the media coverage with the WWE that they maybe thought I was going to get involved in. So when I Google, like, uh, WWE, what's going on? Apparently, there are some bullying accusations towards JBL. You know JBL? He does, like, the color commentary, I think, for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Bradshaw. You remember Bradshaw? He was with, he was a tag team partner with Farouk. They were the APA Right? Wow, yeah. You remember Bradshaw? Memories, yeah. Um, I get, apparently, somebody wrote a book who used to work for the company, used to be, I think, the announcer with him, and said that Bradshaw used to be someone who would bully people behind the stage, people backstage. And as now these bullying accusations are coming out with JBL, everyone's going back into, and I know this sounds crazy, but, and the story I'm about to tell you is, is I mean, it's just strange, but... I found myself dying laughing at it. Uh, JBL, because he's accused of bullying, this story that Edge, you know Edge? You remember Edge? Oh, yeah. Edge tells in his book, years back, about something that JBL did to him in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, JBL would like to get... And I'm not making this up. This is coming from Edge. This is coming from other people. Apparently, JBL, hey, and you know what? WWE, you did this. I was not going to talk about this, but, but I just wanted a superstar on the show. You guys did it. I didn't do this. This is my fault. This is JBL's fault, but now it's WWE's fault. 
right? Now we're talking about JBL soaping up other guys' asses in the shower on the Danny Picard show. I didn't want to do this. You made me do it. But this is a story that's coming out from, we're going back to Edge's book. I would never read Edge's book. And the fact that I even have to read an excerpt in this excerpt is, uh, you know, it's a little strange to me because the story is just downright strange. Here is what Edge said. Uh, I'm talking about a, a situation in his book about JBL. He said, quote, no knuckles disappeared. <laughs> it, was, it was simply a gentle caress. I actually haven't seen him or talked to him since the book has been out. He doesn't even know it's in there until he reads it. So it should be pretty interesting to see his reaction. I think he'll get a kick out of it. He loves doing stuff like that. It's like his way of weeding out the prima donnas to see who is going to be a cool kid and who's going to have an attitude. I just laughed along with it and joked around with him. It was one of those things where I knew I was starting to belong. (laughs) If they were willing to have fun with me like that, then I knew they must like me, so I just kept doing what I was doing. So JBL used to go into the shower and he used to soap up the guy's asses. Again, no knuckles disappeared, according to Edge. And Edge is sitting there. This is like Edge is admitting, like, yeah, you know what? I just laughed, and I, I knew I was one of the boys when JBL was soaping up my butt cheeks in the shower. <laughs> like, what? Dropping the soap. <laughs> oh, like, I just... So, WWE's dealing with something, right? They're dealing with a little something bigger, I guess, than, than me, me wanting an interview. And maybe, just maybe they thought I was, I was going to try to get into that or try to, like, investigate that. But I wasn't. And, in fact, now that, now that I know about it, I wish I didn't know about it. And I'm certainly not going to investigate. Um, but, I mean, that seems a little extreme. And it seems like, and like, this isn't even one of those like pussification of America things like 2017, you know, everybody gets a medal sort of thing. Everyone complains and it's so sensitive. No, that's, this is like, this is like creepy. Hazing, this isn't in a, a this is an adult going into a shower, soaping up other people's ass cheeks to make them feel <laughs> like they belong to see, to, to find out if they belong to see how they react to it. Are you kidding me? Nobody turned around and knocked this guy out. The Edge was laughing? Yeah, I mean, I lost a lot of respect for Edge when I heard this. Um, this reminds... I mean, this this is... This is crazy. Yeah, you're right. It reminds you of a movie, like a, a movie scene. Um, oh, that was the scene from Half-Baked when he's in the shower singing and he drops the soap. You got a couple movies who have a scene like that. Oh, that's what I thought. Um, apparently, I don't know, JBL was trying to... Start his own movie? I don't know what I don't know what the fuck he was trying to do. He's got a creepy smile, man. He's a obviously he's a psychopath. He's a, he looks he's like obviously a, a, a oh, yeah. strange, strange cat. And uh I mean, at this point, I'm like, I don't know who's who, who's a more strange cat, JBL or Edge. I mean, Edge is it not only happened to Edge, he's like coming out laughing about it. Saying, like, oh yeah, JBL, you know what I mean? He, it was, a, it was good old hazing tactics. He would soap up my ass and slap me around in the shower, and we'd all laugh. Because if you laughed, you knew, like, he, if he was soaping your ass, you're part of the boys. 
Good old Bradshaw from APA. Did you know Bradshaw was a champ? This is when I like fell off the map. The I, I fell off for a little bit and didn't watch. But he was like the world, like the WWE champion for a couple of years. Like he was a guy who was headlining WrestleMania. They've had a a couple tough WrestleMania headlining events. Everyone in which JBL or Bradshaw was headlining, I'm going to assume was the worst WrestleMania event. Because did you ever consider him like one of the best guys, Pete? No. JBL. I had to look him up to remember. But but me now who he was. exactly. But now you know why he was headlining WrestleMania, right? Because he was back there just slapping people around in the shower. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Let oh, me do it. Uh, you want the belt? Like the championship yeah. belt? Sure, sure. You want to headline WrestleMania? Go ahead. Go ahead. Nobody had the balls to tell each other uh, what the hell just happened. Uh, obviously not. Well, Edge. Edge is telling people now. And now the WWE has a little situation on the hand because, you know, hazing, bullying, shower scandals. I, maybe it goes deeper than that. No pun intended, um, but they got they got themselves a little situation with JBL. But just to go on the record, if anyone from WWE is listening to this, I was never, ever, ever gonna bring that situation up. And in fact, I wish I never even heard about this situation. So, um, what do you do? You got to get rid of JBL. He's still sitting there with that creepy smile every time they begin SmackDown. He's on SmackDown, right? Yeah. I think the fans had a chant going at the Garden the other night. Fire Bradshaw. I think that's what they had. Oh, you know what's gonna headline. Well, people that, are yeah. gonna now speak out. You're gonna get more people being like, Yeah, he was he was soaping up my cakes in the shower. <laughs> yeah, he He might have lost a few knuckles in there. Um he had the shampoo, he <laughs> he had the soap, he was he was going to town. <laughs> Just such a weird like and it's funny too because you, you hear stuff in WWE and you're like, is it even real like what's real and what's not? I I don't I don't think they're using this as some potential storyline moving forward. So uh, they have themselves a little situation. But I'll get away from JBL, um, you know, soaping up people's ass in the shower, and we'll 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 get into some other stuff that we usually begin the show with. But I just wanted to, I guess I just wanted to shed some light on that situation, given the fact that the WWE didn't give me what I want, and they didn't help me fill my time on this podcast with a superstar, whether it was over the phone, me going to them. Or them coming here. Uh, we could have done anything. But yet, they, the WWE continues to reject me. And as long as they have JBL hired, he's going to continue to soap other people's ass cheeks in the shower. <laughs> apparently, from everything that I've, I've read so far the last couple days. Okay, I don't know how you move on from that to the Bruins in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But we have to do it. That's just what we have to do. So the Bruins last night in Ottawa, game one, they beat the Senators. A couple major storylines here. One, if you want to go just through the timetable here, they go out for warm-ups. David Krejci is on the ice. He's talking to the team doctor at the bench. Then they come out after warm-ups. Like, they do the warm-ups a half hour before the puck drops. They come out for warm-ups. They go back in. They they uh, clean the ice. New sheet of ice. Then they come back out for the National Anthems. As they come out for the National Anthems, there's news from the Bruins that David Krejci will be scratched from this game with an upper body injury. Krejci had been missing some practices the last couple days leading up to this game one last night on Wednesday night. And, you know, I was pretty surprised to see him actually missing the game. 
So he was a late scratch. You have no Krejci. You got to deal with it. Um, you know, you you have to mix up the lines. You're already down bodies. You already don't have Tory Krug. He's out with an injury. Brandon Carlo's out with an injury. Nola Chari's out with an injury. You already have situations injury-wise that you're dealing with. You cannot afford to lose another body. So, no Krejci. That obviously stings. As much as we can knock Krejci during the regular season this year, it was frustrating to watch. Even for someone like myself who considers, I consider myself a Krejci guy. But this time of year is, is David Krejci's time of year. The playoffs. He always shows up in the playoffs. And, um... You know, in moments in which he's not there, you can go back to that uh, series against the Flyers the year before they won the Cup, in which they were up 3-0 and then blew a 3-0 series lead. Well, David Krejci got injured in that series, broke his wrist, and again, the Bruins lost four straight and blew a 3-0 series lead. So David Krejci's presence is so important. It's so important for this Bruins team. You're missing him last night. That's a big loss, and it was a last-minute scratch. So kind of panicking as you're watching that. Then you got Charlie McAvoy, who's not just making his NHL debut at 19 years old, but he's also he's also getting the start. Like, he's standing on the blue line with his helmet off as they're singing the national anthem, okay? And he didn't just hear the American national anthem. He heard O Canada as well in Ottawa. So, I mean, he saw it all last night. But he's on the blue line. He's on the ice. He's not on the bench. He's on the ice. Charlie McAvoy, NHL debut in a playoff game. So I don't know what you were doing, Pete, when you were 19 years old. But I know that me and you, when we were 19, we were not in a pressure-packed situation. I don't think that was anywhere close to that Yeah, I was for playing, Charlie McAvoy last night. I was night. playing down on a Ponset rink at this time. Yeah, I no. mean, it was, you know, nothing like that. But I, So I can only imagine what's going through his head. The Bruins win the face-off. Charlie McAvoy is the first person to touch the puck in the game. And you know what? He did a nice job. Little chip off the wall. You know what? Then it comes right back to him. One touches it. Doesn't get control of it. Whatever. 40 seconds into the shift, you know, everyone's changing. It comes back to McAvoy. And it's one of those things where, all right, I just want to skate with the puck a little bit in the game. You need, you sort of need that. Everyone needs that moment or would like to have that moment and would like to have it have that moment early, especially someone who's making his NHL debut in the Stanley Cup playoffs at 19 years old. He wanted that moment. He wanted to skate around with the puck. So he skates up to the neutral zone, has the confidence going, and then Ottawa kind of collapses in on him. They got that little neutral zone trap. Uh, and he just sort of flipped it up. Turnover. Ottawa comes in, odd man rust. They get not just one great chance, but back-to-back great chances. Tuka Rask made the huge Saves. Now, I am not going to spend this Bruins analysis knocking Charlie McAvoy. I'm just pointing it out uh, when it comes to the timetable of events here. And McAvoy turned it over. Tuka Rask stepped up. And that was the beginning of what was a phenomenal game last night in Game 1 for Tuka Rask, who stood on his head, only allowed one goal. And the Bruins win it last night 2-1. to Tuka was great. Made 26 saves in the win. And he saved them. I mean, it was it was hectic a lot last night in front of the Bruins' net. It was hectic a lot in their own zone. I mean, the Bruins didn't have any shots in the second period. No shots. Which means Ottawa was buzzing in the Bruins' end. And Tuca still, you know, he leaves this game with 26 saves and the win, only allowing one goal. Tuca Rask was great. I said it last night on WEEI after the game. Um, Tuca's my number one star in this game one win over the Ottawa Senators. Now... 
My number two star, I think, all right, maybe you give it to Marchand because he scored the game-winning goal. But you can make the argument that Charlie McAvoy gets your number two star. I know I told you about that turnover, but, I mean, were you expecting the kid to not make any turnovers in this game? Come on. You were expecting him to have a perfect game? No way. I know I wasn't. Here's another thing I wasn't expecting, though. I was not expecting Charlie McAvoy to have the second most minutes and to play the second most minutes in this game. Only one player in this game for either team played more minutes than Charlie McAvoy. Zidane Chara. That's it. Only one player, Zidane Chara. And that tells me that the Bruins felt so confident in him, not only to play the second most minutes in the game, but to also quarterback the power play. They got a power play early on. McAvoy kept feeding Pasternak. It just looked right. It looked good. McAvoy had the confidence as the game went along to make some home run passes. There was one pass in the third period late where he's behind his own net. There's a guy coming right at him, and he still sauces it deep, cross-ice pass all the way up to the far red line, opposite side of the ice. And it was a good pass. But to have the balls to make that play at 19 years old during your NHL debut was just astonishing for me to watch. Like, it was amazing. And he's quarterback in the power play. He's playing the second most minutes of anyone on the ice in this game. And he factors into the game-winning goal. Yeah, Marchand scored it. He had some other puck movement before the goal that led to the Marchand goal. But there was one play that keeps that puck in the zone, lets the Bruins continue to buzz, Keeps Ottawa on the ice when they might have want to made a line change. McAvoy pinches up the right boards, which was a pretty ballsy pinch, by the way, at the right half wall. And he keeps the puck in the zone. And he kept it in a couple times. But that pinch in that moment, as Ottawa tried to dump it up off the boards, uh, you know, I like to, I'd like to think that a normal 19-year-old making his NHL debut is probably not even on the ice at that moment. But if he was on the ice, would probably not be up there making that pinch. McAvoy made that pinch. Tells me he's a confident kid. Tells me his hockey IQ is high. And tells me he's got balls. And I think that was on full display last night. To the point where Charlie McAvoy is now not just going to be asked to help this Bruins team win another couple games moving forward in this series, but they're going to be asking him to help them make a legit Stanley Cup playoff run. And... I think that if you told me that two weeks ago, I'd say that's just unrealistic. Those are expectations that you shouldn't have as an organization. But watching this game one in Ottawa and watching Charlie McAvoy and the confidence confidence that just sort of oozed off him last night, especially as the game went on, I mean, how are you arguing with a Bruins team that wants to once again maybe in game two on Saturday at 3 o'clock in Ottawa make Charlie McAvoy the guy that plays the most minutes. Maybe they'll make him, they'll give him more minutes than Zidane Ochara. Um, it's it just, it was amazing to watch. McAvoy ultimately was great. You know, he gets the turnover out of the way early. What did you think? He was going to be perfect? I, who could have expected that? But I never would have expected he would look this good in this game, in this moment, in the playoffs, making his NHL debut at 19 years old. It was amazing, amazing to watch. It was fun to watch. And the Bruins... This was a fun game to watch. Second period, eh, not so much. I mean, I tweeted it out too last night. The Chara-McQuaid pairing, because they have to mix and match and change some things up with all the defensive injuries they have, you know, Chara-McQuaid together is tough to watch. I mean, McQuaid is, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, 
if you're another team playing the Bruins in the playoffs, what is your strategy? When McQuaid's on the ice, you know where he is, and you're sending the puck at him. Honestly, you're dumping it in on him, make Adam McQuaid, retrieve a puck cleanly, and get it out of his zone cleanly. Because he just can't do it. The scouting report says, ship it in on Adam McQuaid and make him retrieve the puck. Well, they kind of threw it at him at his own blue line last night. And he couldn't do anything with it. And here comes Bobby Ryan, steals it from him, skates by him, skates out front past Chara, and puts it away, and that was Ottawa's goal. That made him one nothing Ottawa. I mean, that was sort of an embarrassing moment for Adam McQuaid. But McQuaid's a regular season guy. You know, 82 games, an 82-game season, you need a guy that's going to be able to drop the mitts. All right, not as much now as you used to, but I'd still like to have that guy. you still like to have him. McQuaid's good for that role. In the playoffs, let's be honest, how many fights do you actually see? How many times do you see guys drop the mitts? You don't see it. McQuaid, to me, is somewhat useless in the playoffs. And, um... In that moment last night, he certainly was. And I tweeted this last night. Chara and McQuaid scare the absolute shit out of me together. They do. It's tough to watch. But the Bruins suffered another injury during the game on the defense. Colin Miller, knee to knee hit. It was an injury that didn't look good. Colin Miller returned after, after he left the ice and went back down the tunnel. But then he didn't come back out for the third period. So... It's not looking good for Colin Miller. You lost Krejci right before the game, or at least he didn't play. They are expecting Krejci to play in game two. We'll see how that works out. But I don't think they're getting any healthier on the defensive end, which means you're going to be asking even more out of someone like Charlie McAvoy. You know, I I, I wonder if you do get a game or two where maybe Tuca isn't playing the way he played last night, you know, what does it look like? Because, again, with Shara and McQuaid together, it's, a, it, it's tough to watch. And if I'm pissed off watching it, I can only imagine how pissed off Tuca Rask is watching it in front of him. So, really the key, last night, look, great night for McAvoy. It was a nice goal by Marshan, the game winner. But um, this was Tuca's night. He's a number one star. This series, what I learned last night, is this Bruins Senator series is going to come down to what Tuca Rask does between the pipes. Can he be the elite goaltender that stands on his head when his defense is not having a good night and his team, you know, cannot get the puck in Ottawa's zone in a period to the point where they have no shots in the second period. Can Tuca be the guy to keep them in a the game? It's going to come down to him, really. Uh, and, and that's not to say that if he's out there letting up a couple of goals that it's going to be his fault. I just think the defense in front of him, some of these pairings are shaky to the point where they scare the shit out of me, like Shara McQuaid. So we'll see how this thing plays out moving forward. I did pick the Bruins to win this series. I didn't pick them to get past Montreal in the second round. I hope I'm wrong about that. But I did pick the Bruins to win this series. And with that, now that the Bruins win game one in Ottawa, you know, I I still feel confident about that pick, obviously. But I don't think this is going to be any type of sweep or even a five-game series. I do think this is at least going six. I think you're going to see Ottawa put some pucks in the net. I think they'll be able to do that. Um, they'll bury some more chances here. They might do it as soon as Saturday at home. I would expect this thing coming back to the Garden, tied at one. Uh, But again, I still think the Bruins are going to win the series. Huge win last night, though, and great to see Charlie McAvoy just playing the way he did and showing that type of confidence on that stage in that moment, his NHL debut at 19 years old. Great to see. Game two, Saturday at 3 o'clock in Ottawa, and then after that, on Sunday, the Celtics will open up their first-round playoff series against the Chicago Bulls. 
Uh, I'll get to the NBA stuff in just a moment, but I want to touch on a, a couple other topics real quick. Uh, baseball-related, and the Red Sox, who are getting back to full health. And I wrote a column in the Boston Metro this week that is John Farrell-related because Farrell, I don't know, he's getting criticized. He got criticized by Buck Showalter. He got criticized by some other people after Showalter made these comments. And the comments Showalter made the other day as the Orioles were in town for a two-game series, Showalter said, Oh, you know, like some along the lines of, what do you think, the Red Sox are the only team that has the flu? Other teams have the flu. We just don't broadcast it as much as them. And, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's a comment that I kind of roll my eyes at because John Farrell was only answering questions. And I know a lot of people don't like John Farrell, okay? I get it. Look, I've done sports radio on the weekends and even filling in sometimes during the week for the last four years. And I hear the calls. I'm on Twitter. I understand. People do not like John Farrell, okay? But I think right now, if you're going to use what the Red Sox have done, what are they, 4-4 four and four to begin the season uh, on this Thursday afternoon? They play an afternoon game today at 2 o'clock against Pittsburgh. By the time you listen to this, that game might be over, and their record will have changed. But 4-4. Four and four, going into this game against Pittsburgh, the makeup game from one that was rained out in the first week. We're almost two weeks through the season. We're about two weeks through. And the Red Sox are 4-4. Four and four. And they're 4-4 four and four with so much shit going on, so many players missing, players with the flu, players on bereavement list, and not just any players, key players. Injuries to the pitching staff. I mean... And the Red Sox still have found a way to win some games to the point where they're 500. You know, they, they've, they've kept this ship afloat. They've weathered this storm. And they've done it with John Farrell as the manager. Put the flu thing aside for a minute and the things he said about it. And I'll get to that in a second and respond to Buck Showalter. But just in general, what the Red Sox have been able to do with, with the, the situations they've been in, missing Mookie Betts for a couple games, missing Xander Bogats for a couple games, missing Hanley Ramirez for a couple games. Now they're missing Jackie Bradley Jr. with an injury. David Price begins the season on the DL. Um, you got a couple of your key relievers, or who are supposed to be key relievers, Thornburg and Carson Smith on the DL to begin the season. Robbie Ross on the DL with the, with the flu. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing something else. Think of all those issues this team has had to face. They had to play, and I led my column off with this. The Red Sox had to play a game this season in the first two weeks with Chris Young hitting as your DH hitting in the cleanup spot. Like, I mean, they had to play a game with Steve Selsky. That's right. A guy named Steve Selsky. I call him, who the hell is Steve Selsky? Playing center field, starting in center field. Who's the, I have no idea who Steve Selsky is. Okay, I don't. I pride myself on knowing the Red Sox roster, on caring about the Red Sox roster, but I don't know Steve Selsky. The only thing I will tell you about Steve Selsky is if they have to play, you know, any more games with him as a starting center fielder and Chris Young as your designated hitter in the cleanup spot, then this season's going to be a disaster. But they've had to play a game with that. Just one is too many in the first two weeks with that, that lineup. But John Farrell didn't really have a choice. And yet the Red Sox, in that game, okay, 
They won that game. 7-5. So, and on the road in Detroit. What the Red Sox have been able to do with all the guys they've been missing and weather this storm is, is, is actually pretty amazing to me. Now, perhaps the guys like Chris Sale, Rick Porcello, or Sandy Leone, who's had some big hits. Andrew Benatendi, who has had some big hits. Mitch Mullen has been, you know, ripping the tits off the ball. You, you know, maybe these guys should deserve most of the credit. And if you want to say that, I'll agree with you. Because managers in baseball, I believe, get too much credit and too much of the blame. There's a middle ground that they should get of some credit. Some credit. But not most of it. The players should get most. But I also believe the players should get most of the blame. The problem here is, you know, if... If the Red Sox had began the season fully healthy and they were losing games and they started the season, I don't know, two and six, one and seven, you know who would take most of the blame? Even if it was the players who didn't show up, the manager. People would be running John Farrell out of town so quick. You know, the Twitter GMs and sports radio callers of the world would be dragging this fucking guy to Logan Airport. They would. If the Red Sox began the season with a one and seven or two and six record. They'd say he's no good for the job. We've been telling you for years. Get him out of here. That's what they say. And what I'm trying to tell you is, to those people, now that the Red Sox, with all these injuries, and they actually have been playing some pretty good baseball, okay, it's 500 baseball. But if you've been watching and seeing the lineups that they've had to put out, they've been playing some pretty good baseball. John Farrell deserves some of your credit. Because if they weren't winning, you'd be the first person, these people who'd be dragging them to, to Logan, they'd be the first people running them out of town. So now that they don't have all their talented players, or at least they didn't to start the season, and they still had won some ball games and stayed afloat, I believe John Farrell deserves some credit for that. Some praise. I, I don't see how you couldn't. But, you know, he uses the flu, I, I mean, I guess as an excuse, but anyone who wants to knock that, I don't understand. Like, what do you want John Farrell to say? Even he said, well, I was just answering questions. And people who are going to knock him for that are the same people who'd be knocking him if he didn't say anything at all. You know what these same people would be saying? They'd be saying, oh, John Farrell, Mookie Betts isn't in the lineup. Hanley Ramirez isn't in the lineup. Um, you know, Ben Attendee, what, he's throwing, you know, he's throwing up in the, in the dugout. Robbie Ross is on the DL. What, they're not going to tell us why these guys aren't in the lineup? When you're missing key pieces like that, we want to know why. So if the manager was missing those key pieces early on, like we'll just say Betts and Hanley with the flu, and he didn't tell you about it, and he didn't tell us about it, Farrell would be getting ripped to shreds for, for not coming out and, 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 and not taking this seriously. These are two big-name superstars in this town. Those are huge losses. We want to know why. What's going on? I'm telling you, Farrell would get ripped for that. So... Him telling us that they have the flu, I actually feel like it's protecting the player, too. Because if he doesn't say that, then people would jump to conclusions and say, oh, he's benching them, and that's stupid. Or, oh, like, they're upset with the manager. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, think about some of the things that would be said. So I'm okay with him answering those questions with the flu. I am. But uh, because he answers them, you know, Buck Showalter has things to say. I, I'm, I, one thing I haven't done, and I think you shouldn't do, is criticize Farrell here at the beginning of the season. Because if you are, like, I'm keeping tabs on the people who are doing it, and you should too. Keep tabs on these people. Anyone criticizing Farrell right now, the Red Sox manager, is 
agenda-driven. Like, they have an agenda. They don't like them. They obviously don't like them. They obviously have an agenda. Okay? That's it. Keep tabs on these people because um, this is the time where you really find out who hates John Farrell in general and doesn't care about the job he actually does. Regardless of what he does, you're going to try to run him out of town anyways. So, uh, one thing I'm not doing is I'm not crushing John Farrell right now. I don't think there needs to be anyone crushing him. And I actually think John Farrell deserves to be given some credit. I do. So, uh, that's my little Red Sox rant of the day. And, you know, I was going to get into the Bill Belichick CNBC interview that he did, the one-on-one sit-down. But everybody's already done it. I've already heard it like 20 times. I see it all over the place. And I watched it a couple times, and I'm like, all right, the first time it was good, but everyone's already seen it by now. And I watched it a second time, and I'm like, eh. You know, I think he kind of contradicts himself a couple times, too. I love Belichick. Like, in Belichick, we trust. But... I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I watched it once and that was enough for me and I'm sure you've seen it by now, so we don't really need to get into it. He calls Deflategate ridiculous. He, she's like, hey, give me one word to describe Deflategate. He's like, ridiculous. But didn't we all know that he felt that way about Deflategate? I think we did. That's not really breaking news. So we'll move on quickly from that. One other NFL topic before I get to the NBA, and I guess it's NBA related. It kind of mixes the two and it's actually, you know, this is, Pete, this is a much better transition than going from Bradshaw in a WWE shower soaping up Edge's ass to the Bruins' first-round playoff game. This is a better transition than that. Tony Romo, okay? Tony Romo. We're going from NFL to NBA. Tony Romo, as you know, recently retired, or at least says 99% is retired. I told you the other day, my theory on Romo, based on his comments and his conference call, when he was announced that he was joining CBS and replacing Phil Simms and and joining Jim Nance. My theory is that there's one team out there that if they came calling, Romo would do it. There's only one team, though. Only one. And I don't know who it is. I think maybe we can narrow it down to a handful of teams. But there's one that he'd go to and leave CBS, whether it's before he even started or in the middle of the season or next offseason. I think there's one team. That's my theory. Romo, obviously all done with Dallas, regardless of what he actually does in the next couple of years. The Mavericks dressed Tony Romo, the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA, dressed now former NFL quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. They, they dressed Tony Romo in an NBA game and put him on the bench. He got, got his warm-ups in, and they put him on the bench. And... At the end of the game, they did this little thing where they almost put him in, and, and it was sort of a joke. But we found out after the fact that Mark Cuban, owner of the Mavericks, who's an absolute clown, tried to put, he tried to actually get Tony Romo to what, a contract where he could play in the actual game, which was stupid for the reason that I'm a little confused. Like, like I, there's some confusion that I have here, Pete, and I don't know if you can clarify this, but... Answer me this question. Did Tony Romo have an NFL career that's worthy of being, you know, he's being championed around right being, now. Being praised. Like, like what, did I miss something with Tony Romo's career? Like, did, did Tony Romo do something in his NFL career that should make me think, wow, he's kind of, an, he's kind of a Cowboys legend? 
Like, if anything, Tony Romo's Cowboys career was the complete opposite of what any of the Cowboys legends have ever done. The Cowboys history, as we know it, and the legends for the Dallas Cowboys were champions, Super Bowl champions. Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, okay? Just to name a few. Tony Romo is not a champion. He never won anything. In fact, he's the reason they would lose every year. But now what are we doing? We're putting them, we're like praising them in Dallas to the point where you want them to play for the Dallas Mavericks? I don't get it. I'm like confused. Like I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking at this stuff going, and I'm on Twitter going, and I'm seeing some people asking the question, is Tony Romo a Hall of Famer? And I'm like, did I miss the Tony Romo years and when in, in which he was a champion? No, right? Like I didn't. I didn't miss those years. No, he still didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> he still shit the bed and shit his pants in big spots. Um, I mean, honestly, what's like the major memory you're gonna have with Romo? The big pick in the big spot and that field goal where he was holding it and and dropped it, right? Oh, like remember that one? Oh yeah, I remember where I was when I saw that. Really? Oh yeah. Get money? Big money on it? No, 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 oh. no, no. I was gonna say it was a while ago. We're out in town, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's like the everlasting memory that I have, that I will have of Tony Romo, a guy who has, I guess, for lack of a better phrase to describe him, has been a total loser in his entire professional career, right? (laughs) And yet here we are going, ah, Tony Romo, what a legend. And it's, (laughs) I'm just watching it going, no. And if you even want to ask the question, if he's a hall of famer, I don't think you know what the hall of fame is or what it's for. Cause Romo belongs in the opposite of the hall of fame. Okay. That's, that's, that's what he belongs. He does not belong in the hall of fame. Tony Romo, his face does not belong bronzed in Canton. I'm sorry. It doesn't, it belongs nowhere close to that. So enough with the Tony Romo stuff. Okay, enough with it. I don't understand the whole Dallas Mavericks thing, but they try to dress him. Or they did dress him. They try to get him in a game. League said no. Good. I don't. I don't want to see Tony Romo in a game either. I mean, I don't even know why. Again, I don't know why we're doing it with Tony Romo. He sucks. Never won anything. But they're doing it. And uh, the NBA. Well, the regular season's over, and now the playoffs begin. And with that, I will give my NBA playoff predictions. The Celtics last night, before you hit the music, Pete, the Celtics last night clinched the one seed. On Wednesday night, they clinched the one seed in the East. And I I don't feel the need to go off on a Celtics rant other than, you know, I'll say this one thing. You got a lot of people that that are basically out there giving the MVP candidates around the NBA. And I see people going, Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and you know who I'm not hearing? I'm not hearing Isaiah Thomas, which is infuriating to me because you can knock the Celtics all you want, but they are the one seed. They have 53 wins. At some point, you have to look at that and go, wow, this is a pretty damn good team. But if you really want to break it down, at some point, when you look at those 53 wins and you see they're the one seed, you have to look at it and go, huh, without Isaiah Thomas, they would have 20 wins and they would probably be... You know, having one of the better chances to get the number one overall pick without swi- their, swapping their picks with Brooklyn. Right? Without swapping those picks. So, I mean, 
Isaiah Thomas, without him, the Celtics would not even be close to this position. And yet, here they are, the one seed, all because of Isaiah Thomas, not just in the playoffs because of Isaiah, the one seed because of Isaiah. And you're not going to consider him an MVP candidate? That's insane to me. I'm not telling you you got to give it to him, but give him consideration. That's all. Put him in a conversation. And I watch these national TV shows and all that, and it's like, you know, they're kind of overlooking him. And I think that's a little ridiculous. But the Celtics are the one seed. They'll play the Chicago Bulls in the first round. Game one is Sunday. Um, Here we go. The playoffs begin Saturday. Pete, hit the music. Because I have my picks in front of me to the NBA on NBC theme. What a song. I once watched Conan O'Brien, and he was playing this theme. It's when the NBA was leaving NBC. And he was playing this theme, and he's like, you could play this theme for anything. And they really did, like just stupid shit. And it made the moment that much greater with this song in the background. So, let's make Picks Picks great again, shall we? This is so predictable, though. Like, I have two brackets in front of me right now. I gave my Stanley Cup playoff predictions on Monday's podcast. Go back and listen to that. I have the Capitals winning the Cup. But... The Stanley Cup playoffs is somewhat unpredictable. The NBA playoffs took me two seconds to fill out these brackets. So I'll just tell you what I did. Celtics, the one seed against the eight seed Bulls. I got the Celtics winning this one. They play the winner of the Wizards, Hawks, the four seed Wizards against the five seed Hawks. I got the Wizards winning this series. A lot of people scared of Atlanta, kind of, because they had some big wins late down the stretch. But Atlanta's always been a regular season team. And I just, I, I think the Wizards have more star power. And I think that they'll move on to the second round, setting up for Celtics-Wizards in the second round. But let's keep going through the first round. Cavaliers, the two seed, will play the seven seed Indiana Pacers. I'm going with Cleveland to win that series, obviously. You got Toronto, the three seed, versus Milwaukee, the six seed. Is anyone going to pick Milwaukee? I won't. I got Toronto winning that series. Setting us up for Cavaliers, Raptors in the second round. But let's go to the first round in the West first. Golden State, the one seed against Portland. The Trailblazers, the eight seed. Who's picking against Golden State? I'm not. Taking the Warriors there. Four-seeded Clippers versus the five-seeded Jazz. I'm going with L.A. in this one. The two-seeded Spurs versus the seven-seed Grizzlies. San Antonio. Then the three-seed Rockets versus the six-seed Thunder. I'm going with OKC to win this one. That is, what is that? Is that my only upset of the first round? I think that's my, I think that's my only upset of the whole NBA playoffs. Oklahoma City over Houston in the first round. And it's only an upset because of the seeding. Really, that's who would you take? Westbrook or Harden? I like both players. But Westbrook, eh, he's just on another planet. And I think... The motivation to at least win one series without Durant is going to be motivated enough for Oklahoma City to get by Houston. OKC is my only upset in the NBA playoffs. So you know how I'm going. Golden State over LA. San Antonio over OKC. Setting us up for Golden State and San Antonio in the Western Conference Finals. In the East second round, I get the Celtics over the Wizards. I get the Cavaliers over the Raptors. Setting us up for Celtics-Cavs. The final four, Golden State versus the Spurs, Celtics versus the Cavs. The NBA Finals, for the third straight year, it's going to be Golden State and Cleveland. 
and I just can't bet against Golden State in this one. I picked Cleveland the last two years, I think. But Golden State, I'm going with them. The Warriors beat the Cavaliers in six games in the NBA Finals, and the Golden State Warriors are your NBA champions. What a song this is. Keep riding it out to the end. Get this show whenever you want, dannypicard.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and also now on the Podcast One Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm out.